Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So next segment, we'll get back into the immigration thing because it continues to be a really interesting story and um, and one that the uh, country should be paying attention to. But it's not only Fox News seems to be interested in reporting on it. What has been described as a crisis is nearing a disaster on the southern border, and it is absolutely coming to your town, a point that is ab- is worth making. It's not a border crisis. It's a United States crisis. Well, and you got tens of thousands of people headed toward the border, so it's you know about to get significantly worse. Um, so more on that in just a second. Um, well, how about first start with this? I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Um and we've had a few people say, could you put a list somewhere of the podcasts you guys recommend? And I appreciate that. I've been asking people a lot about that because there are um, two million podcasts currently available, <laughs> I believe is the number. Um, and trying to figure out which ones are the best, like you can you can like go on to your favorite podcast thing and search. You know, I'm interested in, I don't know, World War II history. OK, there's there's like uh 3000 world war 2 history podcasts some of them are mind blowingly great some of them are a guy in his basement just rambling on about hitler and <laughs> and so you know you want you want somebody to sift through these and tell you which the good ones are yesterday i was listening to a podcast the remnant from Joel goldberg which is part of the whole dispatch thing and he had on george will which is the uh, who is a fantastic columnist from the washington post we've interviewed a number of times he's got a new book out i'm sure we'll be talking to him soon it's all of his columns since 2008. And um, actually, during the podcast, he mentioned our friend Tim Sandifer as being one of the leading lights of fighting for uh, all that is good and right in, in America. And I think he referred to himself as a student of Tim Sandifer, which is pretty wow. high praise from George Will. Wow. Indeed. Yeah. Very, very cool. And so uh, that transition to Tim is working on something that we hope to talk to him about. Um, oh, around the whole uh, rights with the schools thing. Yeah, we're looking forward to talking to Tim tomorrow about uh, free speech rights, school board meetings, that sort of thing. Yeah, and so George Will was uh, talking about uh, the current state of politics and um, and uh, how we got where we are and the direction things are going and how pessimistic or optimistic we should be and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> but I thought this was pretty interesting. He said this a certain thing is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. That would be since the beginning. And uh, that's a pretty strong statement. And he's not a he's not a he is absolutely not a hyperbole guy. George Will, if you don't know his act. the opposite, the opposite. And it's this whole equity thing. This movement toward equity as opposed to equality of opportunity is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. The country seems to be screaming that direction. Joe Biden is leading the charge. George Will actually said, I don't know that Joe Biden knows the difference between equality and equity, the way it's being presented. He said, but the people around him sure do. And they're the ones that are pushing all this stuff. This push toward making sure everybody gets an equal outcome or just going with the flat out statement that if you end up with an unequal outcome, something bad has happened, probably racist, and we need to adjust for that would be the most radical change to the structure of its of our society. It's the complete opposite of what the entire country was founded on. The entire idea of America goes out the window if you're going to go with equity. And you hear that word on lips 
from people constantly as if it's just, you know, it's just another good thing to do. I like planting trees and making sure babies get fed and equity. Wait just here. Wait a second. What was that third one that is going to turn the entire country completely upside down from from the founding? I don't think many people understand what equity means and how different it is from equality. Uh, it's funny, as you were speaking, a news alert flashed across my phone from USA Today with yet another one of their woke, woke headlines about institutions and institutional racism and how it has to be overturned. The, the great thing about equity from the point of view of a would-be dictator is you use a moral argument to make the case that it is okay for me to fix the game because we owe a historical debt to various people of color, and the list gets very, very long. I mean, LGBTQ, etc. Women versus uh, men. Exactly. The whole intersectionality thing, transgender people, whatever. You can come up with all sorts of examples or, or areas in which it is good and right for you to fix the game and take control of the way the game is played. The idea of a neutral referee is now seen as perpetuating an evil system. We must now have a referee who decides who wins and who loses in every game. And again, as I said, as a would-be dictator, if you can convince the populace that, yeah, we really need to grant these powers, oh, that's pretty useful. I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I mean, I was already, uh, you know, anti and uh, hip to it and, and concerned about it. But if uh, no less than George Will says it's the biggest, most radical idea making its way in 240 years it's it's worth keeping our eye on because they did that is the what can flow out of that if it catches on among the young and uh, and sticks around is 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 freaking frightening well it is a pivot point in the history of the country it's it is a uh i hate to say life or death because it sounds so hyperbolic but it is either a disease that will be resisted and gotten rid of, or it will infect us and we will become terribly sick as a society. Yeah, working hard to have an e- equal playing field so everybody has an equal opportunity is uh, absolutely uh, imperative, and I'm all behind that, and we haven't always had that, obviously. Um, but working toward that is a good idea. But the big difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution was the difference between equality, uh, well, really the difference between equality and equity before the word was being thrown around that way. The French Revolution believed everybody should have equal stuff. We should have equal outcomes. Well, that doesn't work. It's impossible. The things that government has to do to end up with equal outcomes requires jailings and murders and all kinds of horrible things. Oh, yeah. It's it's suffocating and murderous. Um. While we're talking about the politics of the day, um, Nikki Haley, do you remember her? Ambassador to the U.N., governor of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, name thrown around regularly as running for president. She's a woman of color in the Republican Party, smart, attractive. She said some pretty harsh things about Trump the other day. Certainly by the standards of the last five years. And I mentioned last week that Chris Christie, who ran for president against Trump once, um, said on uh, ABC this week and gave a speech a couple of weeks ago that uh, Trump lost. Trump lost fair and square. He is not president. He was not. It was not a ripoff. Trump lost and we need to move on. Nikki Haley said just a couple of days ago that we need to turn the page. She, she, you know, she softened it best she could with a Trump did a whole bunch of good things, but uh, the, we're, we're, we need to move on. And, uh, it, the reason this is important is if Trump decides to run and everybody I like 
who's a political pundit, believes he absolutely is. Got us listen to a roundtable with some of my favorite pundits the other day, and they were between 75 and 90 percent on the likelihood of uh, Trump running. Hmm. Um, if he runs, he is not going to run unopposed like he did in 2016, where nobody had the guts to take him on because he just had such an enthusiastic fan base. You just thought you'd get killed. The idea was Trump will collapse of his own weight. He'll say something too crazy. He'll have to get out, and then I will get his his voters. But now you're Chris Christie and uh, and Nikki Haley, and remains to be seen whether DeSantis in Florida, if he gets in, are willing to take him on flat out. So that could get pretty exciting pretty damn fast. Yeah, well, I would agree with that. I still remain highly skeptical that he's going to run, but uh, well, you know, we'll he, all find out together. Them being willing to take him on could be what keeps him from running. So uh could play a role there. I wonder. You know, I have more on what Nikki Haley said. I think it's pretty clever. I think she she's really smart. Yeah. Um, the way yeah. she approached it and some of the touchstones she touched upon were good. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, we do need to talk about the immigration situation, if you haven't heard. How many people do they think are are headed toward the border right now? Uh, the figure I heard was 60,000. Yeah, 60,000 is what I heard. Man, that's a lot of people. And unless something changes fairly drastically. They're going to live next to you soon. They're living in a town near you. Whoever they are, you know, hardworking folks, criminals, drug addicts, drug dealers, cartel members, uh, coughing the COVID all over you. Nobody knows. And then Biden doesn't care. Apparently not. We'll get into that next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Time for the Biden administration to wake up. While flanked by nine GOP governors in Mission, Texas today, Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his counterparts all took aim at the Biden administration over its handling of the border crisis. The president must act. He cannot continue to ignore this humanitarian and security crisis any longer. Joe Biden has done absolutely nothing to confront this self-inflicted crisis. Well, I got to say, if a crisis falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, is it a crisis? I took in uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC this morning, a little CNN yesterday, Brian Williams last night. No mention of the border whatsoever. So you can have nine Republican governors there and call it a crisis all you want. But if half the country is not hearing that news at all. um, Yeah, I'm flipping through my news apps. I'm on the Washington Post. Got all sorts of the uh, stuff you'd expect. Uh, Flipping, touching documentary on Anthony Fauci. Here's a third Trump story. Wow. So is it a crisis or not? Well, listen to this. Texas DPS provided Fox News with these startling photos, telling us suspected cartel gunmen with AK-47s and tactical vests have been taunting Texas National Guard soldiers from across the Rio Grande in Stark County multiple times in recent days. We're told the gunmen are involved in human smuggling. The president of the Border Patrol Union saying today, in his 25-year career as a Border Patrol agent, the border has never been less secure. And the actions of the Biden administration is very clear. If you cross the border illegally, you will be rewarded. Now, in general, Joe Biden couldn't uh, love any union more, and particularly a government union. Oh, my God, that's the best of the best. But the Border Patrol Union saying the border is the least secure it's been in 25 years? Not interested. 
We have uh, listeners who will occasionally weigh in and say, this is all intentional, guys. They want to flood the country. They want to fundamentally change the country and what it looks like and who the voters are and the rest of it. You know, I'm not sure I buy that. I just think I they're, uh, they think there are votes in kowtowing to the left and, and saying garbage like build bridges, not walls. I would think the most recent two elections would uh, dissuade them from thinking that. The percentage of Hispanics voting for Trump went up, or voting Republican went up yeah. in the recall. It's the, the, the people that are already here who are Hispanic don't like open borders either. So that whole gamut is wrong. I don't think it's that well thought out. I think it's just as it's almost like a lizard-like reaction. Trump was tough on the border. We're going to be the opposite. I think it's that it's that simple. Well, and as I've said many times, uh, we are not having babies as a society. White folks, Americans, even black Americans are not having babies in the numbers we used to. We need young workers. We need young people who have babies. So we're importing them from the third world to keep the economy growing and to prop up our uh, Social Security and then Medicare and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, Brett Baer continued his interview with Rodney Scott, the former head of the Border Patrol, who seems to me a very sober and reasonable guy. Uh, let's go with clip number 62. For my career, for the vast majority of my career, we were making significant progress. We were making smart investments. We were getting better and better control of the border. Our confidence level in being able to say we knew who and what crossed, it was not 100%, but it was getting significantly better than ever before, and it allowed us to make calculated risk decisions on behalf of Americans. We knew who the organizations were bringing them, and we had a higher confidence level of what type of a risk would they be if they crossed in this area where they're trying to evade arrest, higher probability that they're actually criminal aliens or they're narcotic smugglers. We were investing in technology systems that use artificial intelligence to help us with that as well. All that has been shut down and all effort has been refocused on expediting the processing speed of the massive amounts of illegal aliens that are coming into the country today. That should matter, because if I can't tell you who crosses through a Nogales or a McAllen or a San Diego, they are going to end up in your community. Even without the idea of drugs and guns or criminals or whoever coming across the border, as Kevin Williamson wrote in the National Review a couple of years ago, I really liked, he said, we've got enough poor people in America. Why would we import more poor people? unskilled poor people what what, what to, to make the argument for why that's a good idea now well, if, if i was running a chicken plant i would tell you because i need somebody to cut up the chicken refugees a different situation different political argument all that sort of stuff but just in general just and and again <laughs> no 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 thought to it no we need this many people to go to these areas no just random however many people show up just random right Right. And progressive America has somehow internalized the idea that there are some jobs white people shouldn't do, so we'll import brown people to do them, which is a, a, a racist and sick. And, you know, it ignores the laws of economics. It's just all sorts of crazy, but nobody ever calls them on it. Uh, let's see. We have limited time. Um, yeah, let's. um Let's go uh, with 63, in which he explains how they can't guard the border now because they are processing so many people. The border is wide open right now. Border Patrol is well beyond what I would call task saturation. They are so overwhelmed. There are huge sections of U.S. border, and you pick the state. We know we have thousands of people waiting to come across. Where we know we have, like, 
like high-level cartel violence going on on a daily basis between the government of Mexico uh, and the cartels, and they're bringing narcotics in. There are hundreds of miles of border. There's not a single border patrol agent right now. Why? Because they're in a soft-sided facility that we set up at another five to six million dollars a month to babysit, to process, and to expedite the processing of these people. I've fought for it my whole career. You can be pro-border security, pro-law and order, and pro-immigration. It just has to be legal. You can't have unabated illegal entry into this country and have any real belief that you have border security. What percentage of America would agree with that last statement? Huge. Huge. 90%. Yeah. Yeah. Including Barack Obama, by the way. Then he goes on to explain how the wait in Mexico, apply for refugee status in Mexico uh, program was so successful because we didn't have to deal with the huge bulk of people, including the huge number that are fraudulent, within our systems, in our tent cities, and in our immigration courts. They would apply from where they were, which is the way the law says they're supposed to do it. And then the people we lit in said, hey, you got a legitimate case. Let's take a careful look at this. Our system wasn't overwhelmed. It was working beautifully. Then Biden just flipped the switch and ended it. But if a crisis falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, is it a crisis? Well, and as he points out in another clip, we can play in a little bit. Nobody in the administration is willing to even talk about it. I'm not sure they have to. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The fast food chain Wendy's announced a partnership with Kellogg yesterday to release a chocolate frosty flavored cereal. Not to be outdone, McDonald's is releasing a McFlurry cereal that is temporarily out of service. You know, I don't eat the McFlurries, but that's a couple times we've had jokes like that. Uh, Neither does anybody else. That's the problem. There's actually an interesting story behind that. The company that supplies the machines signed, uh, you know, everybody buys them to an exclusive service contract. They have to serve service them. And they're bulky and they break down all mm. the time, I guess. So it's a bit of a scandal in the fast food world. Gotcha. But uh, anyway. So we want to finish up uh, Brett Bear's conversation with Rodney Scott. We've got a couple of uh, more clips to play. I just think they're so important and they're so well said. It's worth it. Then we'll move on to other fare. Here's clip number 65, Michael. But I will tell you, I, I kind of had a false hope because I've heard that before. You've seen transitions of administrations before and you say one thing and then when they get all the facts and they really look at things, you'll hesitate and, and, and you'll reconsider. There's no dialogue. Um, there, there's no like team. There's no the, the government officials just aren't being listened to. Proven, proven systems, proven programs are, are being ignored. Um, and I avoid the why. I'll just tell you that's what's happening. You know, I should have mentioned Rodney Scott was the former head of the Border Patrol. Um, so, um, latest polls out on Biden, he's at 38% overall in the Quinnipiac poll, 38% approval. Um, on particular issues on immigration, 25% approval on immigration. Wow. That is a stunning number. Particularly the situation at the Mexican border, 23% approval, 67% disapprove. How can you possibly 
What I don't get is why they don't just do the right thing. The right thing being what like ninety percent of Americans want, and is is the right thing in this case. Because Some, sometimes ninety percent of Americans want things that are stupid. But um, this is the right thing. Securing your border is the normal right thing. It's what Barack Obama said last week. And why would you why would you allow this vulnerability to exist? Because the the woke end of your party gets mad at you on Twitter. It's just amazing to me. That Joe Biden, who who got elected by ignoring Twitter, is now scared of them, apparently, and doing whatever they want, whether it's the, the giant bills going through or this border stuff. Just, just, just come out and say we're going to secure the border. And all of a sudden, your, your numbers on the border would shoot up over 50%, and your overall approval rating would go up. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. The tail of the progressive caucus and the Twitter mob is wagging the dog. He's not doing what is obviously good and popular. Yeah, I guess what's weird here is I, I politicians often do. They just have their finger in the air. Whatever is going to get them higher ratings and get them uh, you know, reelected, they do. This one's overwhelmingly he's upside down on. Why would you stick with your current plan? One more clip from Rodney Scott, 66. What would I do is that simply continue to build out the border wall, that those requirements were developed by seasoned Border Patrol agents based on where that infrastructure could make the biggest difference and the return on investment long term. I would continue to invest in the people, but there's got to be a consequence for illegal entry. You cannot let people just come up, wave a flag, and then release them into the U.S. to get their case heard five, six years later. They've already got the prize. They're already here. There's no reason for that. Again, right. 23% approval rating on the border, which drags down his overall numbers. And just briefly more on that, because, um, you know, numbers go up and down. Um, and Trump lived in the around high 30s, low 40, and almost got reelected. But, um, of course, Republicans overwhelmingly don't like a Biden. Democrats overwhelmingly do. But it's the independents that's killing him. Those independents that could go either direction, that just didn't like Trump. He's upside down now with an approval rating of 32% among independents. Wow. I know. It's just incredible. That is interesting. You know, I'm looking at uh, Molly Hemingway made the point that uh, Quinnipiac is frequently uh, wrong in the direction of the left. They tend to overrate the Democrats um, for whatever reason. I don't know why. She gives several examples. But if that's true, and they are absolutely not a conservative polling organization, um, his numbers are miserable in a lot of different things. The economy, 39% approval, 55% disapproval. Now, there are often a lot of undecided, so you have to give both numbers. But 55% disapproval is pretty big. Uh, as uh, as Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. military, 58% disapprove. Wow. Taxes, 54% disapprove. Foreign policy, 58% disapprove. Immigration, as you pointed out, 67% disapprove. Two-thirds of Americans think you're uh, out of whack on your immigration policy, but you're going to stick with it. What? The number who said he's honest has flipped from 51.42 to 44.50 and has good leadership skills. It was 52.44, yes, just in April. Now it's 41.56, no. Uh, that is, well, it's obvious. I mean, it's not surprising in the least. In fact, it ought, uh, the numbers ought to be bigger, but people are busy living their lives and chasing their kids around and the rest of it, so they're not uh, aware of how badly it's come off the rails. At fall football games and enjoying pumpkin spice lattes, Joe. I'm wearing That's a, right. I'm wearing a pumpkin-colored shirt today. That's how fall I am. You are a you're the folliest of all. So, what's the most popular show in America? Maybe the world right now. 
I mentioned it every single day. Squid built. The squid, squid game. The squid game? Squid, squid game. game, yeah. Yeah. So I watched the first episode last night on Netflix. I stayed up extra late to watch it because I just felt like it's good. They had riots in Paris over this game because they opened up a store selling uh, Squid Game stuff. And I got to admit, if I was going to dress up for Halloween, I'd dress up in the Squid Game outfit. And uh, people who got it would think it was pretty funny. Very hip. Um, but uh, weird show. I'm only one episode in. I will uh, I will watch more and get back to you. It is. I. It, it's a little. I, I wish I would have watched it going in cold because being told something is ultraviolet, you're like waiting for it and expecting it. So it's not. If I hadn't been expecting it, it would have been unbelievably shocking. I mean, Ooh. just like, holy crap. But it wasn't that way because I'd read so many reviews saying it was ultraviolet. So. Ah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but if I had just been watching this thinking, well, this is kind of an interesting drama, him and his wife's ex-wife and his kid, and then all of a sudden just, wow, what is that? Did Quentin Tarantino take over the directing of the second half of this show? But uh, if you don't like over-the-top violence, I wouldn't watch Squid Game because it is over the top. Ooh. It's a sick enough. Is it super graphic? or? Yeah, but it is so far over the top, it's practically like Wiley e. Coyote dropping an anvil on somebody's head. Okay. And the lump growing. Okay. All right. Anyway. All right. Fine. So a couple of tales from the sea. Yar. We look to the sea. If you live in Los Angeles, you spend time on the beach. Maybe you work in a high rise there by the ocean. You already know this. There is an astonishing parking lot full of cargo ships off the coast of Southern California waiting to get into the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. They think it could easily be half a million shipping containers on cargo ships. Does it have anything to do with the oil spill? It looks like a uh, it looks like a parking lot. There are a number of factors blamed for the bottleneck, Jack. The surge of the Delta variant throughout the world, lack of access to vaccines in some countries, what shortage of shipping containers, another of truck drivers. Um, what do you need truck drivers to get a ship ashore? I'm confused. Well, you got to get the, the, the you got to have trucks to get rid of the shipping containers. Oh. Anyway, so you got that. So How if you're sitting buggery? there waiting, is buggery there, a problem? There's rampant buggery. Absolutely. Um, so if you're wondering whether you're, where your furniture is or your lawnmower or your refrigerator or whatever else, it's probably sitting off uh, the coast of Southern California. So it's on a ship with an eye shot of downtown L.A. It's just right over there. That's where your couch is. And it's been sitting there for many, many days. And finally, this, a Thai fisherman has found a lump of whale vomit floating off a beach that could be worth $1.5 million. Why is whale vomit worth anything? This guy's name, uh, which is unpronounceable, uh, he this guy rather he earns about uh, two hundred pounds a month from fishing. Is it a dessert topping? What do they use it for? Well, Jack, upon closer inspection of this strange blob he saw floating in the currents, he realized it had the same waxy texture and appearance as whale vomit. So he dragged it away from the pre- beach, uh, believing Wait it could be worth second. some money. I know this waxy appearance. <laughs> whale vomit is also known as ambergris. Okay. It's often referred to referred to as whale vomit or gray amber. It's a solid, waxy, flammable, highly valuable substance produced in the digestive system of sperm whales. It is used by perfumers as a fixative, something that equalizes vapor pressures and thus the volatilities of the raw materials in perfume oil, as well as to increase the tenacity of the scent. It is it is scentless itself, but is a critical part of perfume. Did not know that. You better rock hard if your band is called Whale Vomit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to have some big, big riffs. Yeah, I don't want to hear any love songs. All right. So here, here's a question for you. And I wonder this about a lot of things. So it's like 1780. I'm, uh, 
Uh, I was almost said Jose. I'm I'm uh, I'm Pierre, the perfume maker in Paris. Okay. I'm selling my perfumes to the French ladies because they don't shower much and they get a little stanky, but they don't want to be stanky, so they buy Pierre's perfumes. And I'm saying to myself, you know, the uh, vapor pressures, uh, the volatilities, uh, they're not so good. <laughs> I, uh, my perfume's evaporating, or it's too strong, or too weak sometimes. I don't, I don't know what to do. Let's see. what kind of, mm, Maybe I'll get some whale vomit and squeeze that into the perfume and see how that helps. I mean, who, who thought of this? Well, they had a lot of time. There was no Netflix. How did that happen? Internet was very slow. Oh, right. Took forever to download even an email. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the desire for ambergris led to the hunting almost to extinction of, uh, the sperm whale. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, now they are protected. So you got to wait for them to up, Chuck, apparently. And, uh, find that stuff on the beach. But, oh. Really sick to my stomach. And actually, I threw up yesterday. You, this guy makes a couple hundred bucks a, a month. And he thinks he has uh, about one and a quarter million dollars worth of whale vomit. So you just got to wait around until the whales have a big party night and hope that they uh, unswallow the next day? Yeah, more or less. More or less. Oh, which reminds me of this story we got to get to before long. Dreaming of winning the lottery? These horror stories may change your mind. Yeah, which is the story of almost everyone who wins the lottery. But um, And uh, free speech in Germany compared to free speech in the United States. Really interesting. We should uh, treasure what we have. All that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. plastic utensils in California. They did away with straws because a third grader did a school paper with made-up numbers. Uh, yeah, it's true. Look it up. It's really quite amazing. And now they're doing away with uh, plastic utensils. So we'll hit on that later. They gave Well, because a- of all the bald eagles you see flying through the air with a spork in their eye. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's an epidemic. I think there's too many bald eagles anyway. Um, breaking news. Get some air, eagles. <laughs> The Nobel Prize in Literature has been awarded to novelist Abdul Razak Gurna, who I was not aware of, for his writing on the effects of colonialism and the fate of refugees. All Every right. award this week has been about climate change, the environment, and now colonialism. So, all right. I'm not sure those are worth mentioning anymore. I used to get a kick out of them, but maybe not so much anymore. It used to be the Nobel Peace Prize was a joke, but the uh, the prizes for science were always about science. Yeah, or liter- no, they're not. Literature was all kinds of different people. Um, I find this interesting. Uh, I didn't watch Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity delivered a blunt message to Mitch McConnell. You need to stop being a swamp creature, and if you want to be a conservative leader, you need to start acting like one, and if you can't do that, you need to step aside. Because he went along with uh, something to get the debt ceiling raised? Is that why Sean Hannity is mad at Mitch McConnell? I didn't was wanting him to hold it, I firm. I think that's it because Mitch McConnell did. I heard MSNBC saying Mitch McConnell blinked, but the Senate has reached. This is just in like a minute ago. Breaking news! Breaking news that everybody knew was going to happen. Right, has reached a deal on the short-term debt hike, which will kick the can into December. But so yeah, exactly. the government. So the government's not going to close down. Why did you spend like seventy-two hours talking about how babies were going to die and? 
our military was going to fold and all these different things. Well, now we have two months more of exciting posturing to look forward to. How different is the uh, First Amendment for the United States versus other countries? I often forget this because I think of, uh, you know, Europe as being. uh, They're just like us. Exactly. Especially Great Britain. Canada. A reporter writing for Persuasion reminds Americans how lucky they are to have such a robust First Amendment protection. A few weeks ago, now there's a word you might not like here, so if the kids are listening or grandma. A few weeks ago, a German mad had his home searched by police as they gathered evidence for an investigation into his calling a politician a dick on Twitter. Jawohl. Police in his home. Yes, dein dick. Police. <laughs> police in his home searching for evidence because he called a politician a dick on Twitter. Wow. What sort of evidence are you looking for? It, the evidence is there on the tweet. Uh, excuse me, you don't have to come in here. I called him a dick. I, uh, I, I did. It was, it was that computer yeah, right there. On that tweet, I said the Burgermeister Meister Burgermeister Burger is a dick. You, there's no evidence needed. That's what I said. I still think he's a dick. Just ask me. <laughs> to many Americans, the European approach to policing speech is anathema to the civil libertarian impulses undergirding the First Amendment, I'd say. To others, this is the part that's interesting, to others, importing European-style restrictions might sometimes seem an enticing way to fight extremism and disinformation at a time when American democracy seems to be in crisis. Yes, disinformation like Hunter Biden's laptop has all sorts of crazy stuff on it. Disinformation like, you know, masks don't really work on kids. Or or good, it, thankfully it protects good, solid information like Donald Trump is a Russian agent. Yeah, how about disinformation like the virus came out of a lab in Wuhan? Um, it, well, I hope it's not a large uh, percentage of the population that wants German-style First Amendment rules where you say something mean about a politician. I mean, not even particularly mean. You call a politician a name. And I would the, say it's have, roughly 95% of people on college campuses want that. And you'd have the police in your home? Oh, my God. Nazi Germany. That's right. It sounds like Nazi Germany, Michael. Yeah, there are a lot of people who are in favor of this. you got to fight them. Stand up, school board meeting, boardroom, whatever. you got to stand up for your rights. Uh, that reminds me. What are we going to kick off hour three with? It's uh, It's big. Well, a couple, of, a couple of different things. Number one, Chicago is utterly oh, yeah. diseased. Its politics are falling apart. Its residents are shooting each other. There is no law and order. Uh, also, uh, Nikki Haley's tack toward the Republican nomination. At least that's what she's hoping to do. It's interesting, I think. It's smart, and it's uh, worth pointing out which bases she touches on her way to the plate. Uh, a couple of quick things to get off my plate here. Um, I think this is not real, but it was a toy called Mr. E.T. It's a little, uh, looks like E.T., but it's got the head of Mr. T. Mr. <laughs> E.T., pity the fool who doesn't phone home. I'm not sure that's a real toy. <laughs> well, and, and badly out of date. <laughs> yes, exactly. Both are from the 80s. I don't know what either of those things are, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not doing a radio show for somebody who sounds like that. Um... We got this because I was talking about electric cars a little bit yesterday, and I've been uh, trying to spread the word that, hey, most of those chargers that you're maybe paying for with tax dollars to put in downtown where you live so you can be all green and 
Now, the, the reason there are no electric cars ever plugged in charging there is because they don't really do anything, I found out now that I got an electric car. Anyway, we got this from somebody who uh, builds these things. These solar-powered EV chargers are even more useless. So some cities Ugh. or towns across America are very proud of themselves for putting in a solar-powered electric charger for people to charge their electric cars. If they work at all, for instance, the Whole Foods in my neighborhood... They uh, they're offline more than they are working, and you can uh, get like two miles charged in a day. So they basically don't do anything. But everybody feels good about themselves because three spots right up front are solar powered EV chargers for the electric vehicles. And as I must point out, taxpayer money was taken by the government and given to somebody to build those useless chargers that nobody needs. Yeah, the who knows how much, $100,000, $2 million, whatever was spent to do that construction, that was real money that went to a real company. They got to spend it on real stuff while they built fake things to make everybody feel good. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, inflation is running rampant. Latest numbers, a little sobering. Uh, It's just, I don't know. Nobody wants to be sober. What can you do? Vote, vote. Get out there and vote. And you can catch every hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show by going to armstrongandgetty.com. And while you're there, you could shop around and get yourself a pair of underwear or a bra or a shirt or whatever. Oh, the T-shirt's flying off the shelves. I'm vexed. No mask. Wear it proudly. Be like Rashida Tlaib, who admitted, I'm only wearing the mask in case I get caught on video. It's not necessary. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And yet, believable. Armstrong and Getty.